Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I am interviewing a friend of mine, got here live in the studio with me, uh, my buddy Micah. We grew up together. Micah, you doing good, man? Yeah, doing well, dude. Cool. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, just give us wisdom as we talk about life, ministry, being in full-time vocational work, and also being an elder. Micah's walking this line and also has a family. And so help us to uh, just think through um, these things well. And then, uh, God, I pray that, that the wisdom that Micah brings here, I'm just excited to be able to talk to him here today. Just pray that the wisdom would be helpful to just elders out there that are struggling with feeling like they've got irons in the fire everywhere with multiple hats on, and help them kind of... Uh, you know, give them direction on how to uh, to kind of get through the fog of of life and and prioritize and just do what you've called them to do in the best way possible with all the responsibilities that are on them. And so, just just lead this discussion. I pray you'd make it equipping and helpful. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I know you. We've done tough mutter together now for well, we've grew up. We grew up together. Yeah. Uh, tough mutter now together. It's like our thing. Yep. Eight years, nine years, something like miss that. This year, though. I know it. Uh, the Corona. You know. <laughs> Goodness. But for people who are listening, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit, tell us who you are, and then tell us about your family, what you do, and then we'll get into your path to being an elder sure. here in a minute. But just bring us up to speed on who you are, what you do. Sure. Yeah, my, my name's Micah Oakley. Um, I'm hanging on to my 30s uh, with my last finger, so I'll be 39 uh, next month. And, and uh, so I grew up here in Southern Illinois um, and went to college at Southern Illinois University and a degree, a degree in physiology, and then went to PA school there at um, SIU. So for the past, I don't know, twelve or twelve or thirteen years or so, uh, been a, uh, a, phys- a family medicine physician assistant in, um, at Logan Primary, and so I have a family practice there. And I moonlight a little bit in the ER, a few shifts a month. Um, it's been doing that for a while. Uh, married to uh, Alicia, um, who I also grew up with, and high school sweetheart. We just celebrated just last week was uh, 20 years. Uh, Are you kidding I, me? Yeah, well, 15 years of marriage. and Oh, my gosh, dude. 20 years ago on June it's 10th, insane. I, I asked her to be my girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> crazy. Isn't that Two crazy? Yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Man, that's wild. Yeah. It's been fruitful. It's been good, um, challenging, and, and but it's been good. She's a, a wonderful woman. Love her a lot. And uh, we got three kids together. So I've got an 11-year-old, uh, Hallie Grace, a 9-year-old boy, Landon, and then a 2-year-old, uh, Lindy Kate. And mm-hmm. so, um, so that's my days, man, I work mm-hmm. and come home and take care of kids and, mm-hmm. and spend time with my wife and, and uh, help lead a church as an elder. So it doesn't leave much time for anything else. Right. So you're <laughs> not, motor you don't have here. a ton, ton of hobbies. Not really. Uh, so the distance between Hallie and... 11 yeah. and 2. Yeah, that was a big change. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, what was that like, so having, we, um, having a baby again? Yeah, so we talked a lot about having a baby for a while after mm-hmm. Landon, and Hallie and Landon were so close together that it was yeah. just... Um, Are they buddies? Are they good buddies? Yeah, you know, Landon's a, Landon likes to pester Okay, lot. they're different, too. I mean, oh, she's yeah, totally she's yeah. reader, he's a sports guy, Landon is that right? To, he's not getting into sports too much anymore, mostly, really? like, outdoor stuff. Like he's Man, that's big, fun. Big into airsoft guns now. Oh, no way. And, yeah, they're just pelting each other with airsoft <laughs> guns. Fishing, outside stuff. He wants to build a floating cabin and 
Uh, that's Landon. He's a dreamer, man. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So they were really close in age. So it was it was tough um, with them. So they were just so close in age. So it was basically like two babies at home. Mm-hmm. So we needed a break from kids for a little bit, and then started talking about it a while. And uh, Alicia ended up having a with a miscarriage, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, but then eventually, and little Lindy Kate, she's just the sweetest little thing. It's awesome. Yeah. So awesome. you done? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're done at this point. I'm getting too old, man. <laughs> we have we have a guy in our church. He's like, okay, here's what's gonna happen. You guys are gonna have another, and then in like six years, you're gonna have a surprise baby. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. He's he's got the prediction though. But uh, <laughs> by the time this comes out, it'll be announced. But we're having another baby. So uh, I'm excited for you guys. Yeah. I think awesome. we're I think we're officially announcing it next week cool. at church. That's awesome. And, yeah, we're excited. And it's for some reason it's driving me nuts. We didn't find out gender with ransom. Mm-hmm. We did with Valor mm-hmm. and. I am just itching to find out. You want to know? Oh, man, I want to know so bad. So we're going to find out as soon as possible. That's but, awesome. Uh, if it's a boy, Copper, Ray. Mm-hmm. And you should see the faces of the people who we say that your your reaction was the best one right there. Yeah, yeah I like Cop- it. I think it's cool. Cop- right? I think yeah. so. Copper Sparks. Yeah. That goes together and, pretty good. And they're a dog in some childhood. Fox and a hound. Fox and a hound. Yeah, copper. yeah, Copper. I'm a hound dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if it's a girl, Providence, Ray, Pravi. Cute. Is what we call her. Yeah, that's cute. So uh, we had... Carol Perry, our friend, yesterday, we, we told, it was a couple days ago, we, told, we said copper, and she, her face was like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's, it's actually more normal than the other two boys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, okay, so then, now, you grew up, and you became a Christian young, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, so, I was somewhere around the age of five or six. Okay. And became a Christian. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, you know, went to church every, all mm-hmm. the time, constantly, but, you know, that story goes. Like, yeah. Yeah. We had a unique church experience. And in fact, when yeah. I hear other people talking about church, and the further we're removed from our childhood church, personally, I, I just grow fonder and fonder and fonder of the experience mm-hmm. that we had. Yeah. And when I, it's weird when I think about church, the first thing that comes to mind is playing basketball and football before church and after church and the friendships. And, and the friendships and just going to Wednesday night youth or whatever and just a yeah. sweaty disgusting mess of, <laughs> what's, of human what's, beings that just I don't know why and we, I, we, gosh like there's no way we showered beforehand no way it's like 95 degrees in the middle of july and we're out playing basketball for an hour before church <laughs> hours i remember there was a couple of times where we had church events where i remember one day my mom had to be there all day long and it was probably like 12 12 hours at least of basket and i played at least 11 hours of basketball the whole yeah. time yeah just, well, we were, I mean, we were going in the NBA, so we needed <laughs> yeah, practice. We were. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we definitely. Special talent. Yeah. So, okay, Christians. It turns out I'm 5'9". So. Yeah, it <laughs> didn't work out didn't too work out well. well. Me neither. Me neither. But, uh, you know, some dreams definitely die. Yeah. Uh, okay, so come a Christian at a young age, and, you know, you were two, two and a half or three years older than me, so you're turning 39, I'll be turning 37. Mm-hmm. So two and a half or two years and a couple months. But always looked up to you growing up, always a leader in youth group, and... You know, if, uh, um, okay, Jordan just texted. She said, I'm up if, if the kids need me. And so when it's it's 6.01, mm-hmm. and I was just telling Micah before we started recording that at 6 o'clock on the dot every day, Ransom, Dad, it's Mom, so I'm awake. He just lays awake. Just like, but he's already one minute past uh, his wake-up time, so that's pretty good. He's sleeping in. He's sleeping in. That's great. Yeah. Um, so there was a, it seems like, and I remember you preached at our church one time, but it felt like if anybody's going to be called into ministry from our church, it'd be, okay, Micah would be the, the pastor one day. But you had, you were removed then from, from youth group, and you'd led in small groups and led at our church as an elder when we first planted in 2008 or nine. 
but then you became an elder again at the journey. Mm-hmm. Tell us the process of, of feeling called into ministry and then into being an elder now. You've been an elder a couple of years, so tell us that process of kind of getting to where you are today yeah. doing ministry. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I was saved at a young age, and, and uh, my parents took me to church every time the door was open. So, mm-hmm. And then I was you know, I was kind of that kid in, in junior high and high school that, for whatever reason, people looked up to. But I think it was mostly just because I, was, I played the church game well and was propped up by adults. As you know, be like Mike. You were somehow. It was like you were like everybody loved you. Yeah, and I don't know. You why. know, like, like, <laughs> but it was it was literally that. But at the at the same time, like, which which brought about a lot of like inner turmoil for me because I was being propped up as this ideal Christian young man, and mm-hmm. and then and then I can remember thinking um, an older guy in our church came up and shook my hand and just told me how great I was, hmm. and I was sixteen or seventeen, and then. He's shaking my hand and telling me these things, and I can really, literally remember thinking, can't even remember the last time I've read my Bible. Hmm. Like, and you don't even know about the personal sins that I'm struggling with. Like, and it, so it was like it was a lot of like self condemnation. Like, right. Like, you, and it just perpetuated more fakeness, more church fakeness. Like, now I can't talk about some of my struggles. Mm-hmm. Now I can't say, hey, I read my Bible in a couple months. Um, right. And um, and. I can't say that because oh, I'm the guy that everybody looks up to. You know, all these adults are like, "You're killing it, dude!" Like, right? So, um, so just perpetuated more of that. You know, just that generic fake Christianity mm-hmm. type stuff, where it's superficial. Nobody's asking me any deep questions. Nothing like that. So, um, so really, until we're playing in that church, mm-hmm. however long ago that was, like 12 years ago, 13 mm-hmm. years ago, yep. and um, that's when. Uh, well, a little bit before that, teaching. I remember teaching um, sixth grade boys in children's church, mm-hmm. and that's when the gospel really started to to kind of like God started to take root a little bit about that gospel of grace, mm-hmm. and it started to move me for the first time. Yeah, and that was just the very very beginnings of it when I started to like like hmm, that, I think that's the key. Like, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that message of grace is pretty powerful. It's interesting that great the word grace becomes like in a long line of of either attributes or just words you hear thrown around. It's like peace, glory, grace. You hear these words that are disconnected, faith, mm-hmm. and then grace kind of grabs a hold of you and you think, wait a second, I, I know what you mean. I know yeah, what you mean. A lot yeah. to dig out of that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So that that kind of that's where it really kind of started a change with me, and then. Um, and then I remember you came home from college and we're studying through Galatians and and I remember we were playing basketball at church and mm-hmm. I was sitting at half court with you and you were talking to me about like, dude, it's not about us. It's not about us and how well we're doing or well we're not doing and, and it's really about Jesus and just this, this mm-hmm. grace that he gives us and and I could just see something change in you. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of perpetuated it more than we played in that church and that's where just a love for the scripture and mm-hmm. um, a love for this gospel of grace where just like even now just I can't even talk about it without my chin yeah. delivering a little bit you know right. just the grace of Jesus <laughs> and how good he is to us and that that, and, that that church plant it was so interesting because we were all you know kind of frustrated or disgruntled um, mm-hmm. you know in our 20s and, and stupid. I, I and stupid and yeah. I still go back to the flyer we made if the life kicking you in the next flyer I know I've got to have that somewhere I think I kept one or two yeah, I mean it's, it's got to be somewhere but uh, we just had our ten we did like a ten year reunion did you come to that yeah. by the way you were yeah. at that yeah. just so neat at, you know what God did through that and for 
I mean, for me anyways, that was a life-changing two and a half years, and I think 100%. forever will be for a lot, 100%. for a few people. Anyways. That, that, oh, yeah. Um, and that, that's, that time in my life is where, well, really, like, as far as, like, eldership, your original question, the, mm-hmm. like, you know, that was kind of my story, and then now the gospel's starting to take root in my life, and then, and then I wanted to study the Bible more, but mm-hmm. I wasn't, and, and, uh, like, that desire was there, and I could do it for a week, and then, you know, to kind of peter out, and, and that same cycle had been my whole life, and then, and then during that time, planning that church, and, it, well, I was sitting at McDonald's in Carterville, across, mm-hmm. sitting across from you, and, um, and uh, you were talking about the biblical qualifications to be an elder, and not only did I not know, I didn't know that it was in Timothy and Titus, I didn't even know it was in the Bible, hmm. um, so, and then you told me that, that it's a real shame how little I know about the scriptures, <laughs> and it was, a, it was a real slap oh in my gosh. face, but... But it was a uh, no. No, it wasn't a shame. It was embarrassing. Okay. How little I knew about the scriptures, what okay. you told me, and it was a real pivotal moment in my life. Um, yeah. Like a real henchman hmm. in my life. I'm forever grateful for it. it was what the Holy Spirit used in me, and it was just a work of the Holy Spirit. It was nothing that I generated, and mm-hmm. just from that time on, was just um, just an insatiable desire for the scriptures to study yeah. the scriptures. And, and I have ever since, and I love it, and awesome. it's changed my life. And then, you know, so then, you know, then did we you go? Did develop. we go through biblical eldership at that time? Did you go through Alexander Strong yeah. biblical eldership? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a, So we read that together. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And then, so I was an elder there at the journey, and then that's when basically when my my say the scriptures of theology, the gospel just had really just just wrecked me forever. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's when, like, probably the the, the first time I desired to be. Um, an elder was, okay. was in before I was in a position of leadership, but didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I deserve it, and uh, didn't earn and, and um, didn't want to be. But, right, but that's when the first time where it was it, it became like a desire where mm-hmm. I wanted to be in in uh, leadership. Okay, so then you became an elder, then transitioned churches a few times, and then you become an elder again at the journey. What was that process like? And okay, but in the meantime, though, you said. You've been a PA now for, and I didn't know your physiology was your degree. Yeah. I didn't know that. And yeah. then, so you've been a PA now for however many years. Mm-hmm. So that's a big load. And then you're working at the ER. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of hours mm-hmm. and you've got a family. Mm-hmm. And so in the middle of that, you become an elder again at the journey, different mm-hmm. journey. So we had our journey and then this is the journey journey. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so what was that process like becoming an elder again? Uh, the process of the journey is usually about like um, you can do it at different paces, but it's usually about six to ten month process. Um, okay. There's some papers you have to write, um, some uh, books you have to read, and and so basically just you know first step is do this, and so it was a lot of like Stott's Cross of Christ, just an amazing book on mm-hmm. on the gospel and the work of Christ. It's probably on your bookshelf. Yep, got, it, um, got that down there. So that was a big bulk of it. There's some uh, uh, doctrinal papers and things we had to read, and some other mm-hmm. things to write, and and uh, so so it was a you know just kind of a little process checklist, and then checking in and meeting with the pastor and the other elder teams, and okay, um, and so it was a lot of things like that. Okay, so one of the reasons I want to talk to you because there's a lot of pastors that listen in that are bivocational, co-vocational, whatever term you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, both lead pastors and elders, and you know people who work full-time and are an elder 
and with a family, mm-hmm. you have massive responsibilities there that are really hard to balance. And at some point, you're going to have to make decisions on not ne- not necessarily what needs to be neglected, but what the priorities are at any given time, right. and have to navigate through that. It's difficult. Yeah. So, like <laughs> you're saying that you tell me you're struggling with that, and that's yeah. just a reality that everybody who's in that situation yeah. is is. Yeah is dealing with. So how have you and how are you trying to work through? Because, um, I mean, obviously you have your priority of, of walking with the Lord humbly before God and men. So your relationship with Christ and developing mm-hmm. through personal disciplines, spiritual disciplines, a continued walk with Him. You have your family, you have your work, and you have uh, and ministry. I say ministry lightly because, you know, your, your life at home is ministry. is ministry. I mean, that's their church. As soon as our children become Christians, they're, I mean, they're, they're our family, and then they're also the church that we're, we're in the closest proximity to. Mm-hmm. And so when we're spending time with them, investing in them, yeah, we are investing in, the, we're investing in the local, local church. church yeah. So uh, tell us about the difficulties, and I think people will experience uh, yeah. similar things in hearing what you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, if they're not, I want to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> I need to learn from you. So, I mean, therein lies the problem. That's, mm-hmm. that's the struggle. Um, and I think every lay elder... Uh, feels that unless mm-hmm. your situation just unique where you don't have to work a lot or you know mm-hmm. have more time or you know whatever so um and that's why when you asked me to do this podcast i said no because mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like um uh, you know just interviewing for a podcast implies that you know what you're doing and <laughs> and i don't feel like i'm, I'm in that situation because it's hard it's a it's a real struggle for me oh you hear ransom mom dad i'm awake he, slept in, he did he, he slept in at six eleven. We we started this thing when they were younger. It was like sportsmen wake up early, yeah, and then it came back to bite me in the butt because he gets up at six a.m. every morning, every day, every day, every day. This legitimately is sleeping in. This is the latest he slept in in probably a month. That's awesome. <laughs> so the um, but you know therein lies the struggle. Um, mm-hmm. Like um, and and you know for me to maintain my own relationship with Christ and and to be a healthy Christian and seeking uh, Jesus personally mm-hmm. um, is the only way I'm good to any of my other responsibilities my job my, my right. husband being a husband to being a father to being an elder or mm-hmm. anything and and so you know you have to protect that you have to yeah. you have to seek Christ for yourself um, and um and then, you know, being a husband with three little kids, you know, mm-hmm. that are demanding. And, um, you know, somebody's in your face all the time, constantly needing something um, when you're home. Mm-hmm. And and then a wife who stays home with them and and uh, all the responsibilities that that is, which is just ginormous. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to work and I'm working, I don't know how many hours a week. And, and What's approximate? 50 to 60 um, yeah. 50, 60? Yeah, okay. probably. Probably, like, closer to 50. Okay. So, and it's less now than it ever has been. I'm typically home by four most days um, now. And just so and listeners know, Micah got here to do this. He got here at 545. I mean, so, I mean, if you're going to do something like this, it, it's got to happen So, the, basically, that's what, that's what I've learned, is mm-hmm. that um, I get up early. Yeah. So, I, I remember... Um, Somebody told me one time that um, uh, a Christian father and husband goes to bed tired, and mm-hmm. so I just go to bed tired, and yeah. I get up early. So if anything extra, 
happens um, meeting with men in the church um, it typically happens in the morning five mm-hmm. in the morning usually so because because of that you know you work uh, I got a family to take care of and my priorities is my relationship with Christ my relationship with my wife my relationship with my kids mm-hmm. and then um, and then elderings is after that yeah know? so I have to protect my family and um, but it doesn't leave much time for anything else mm-hmm. and and that, that that's the struggle um, yeah, and, it, and and that's why I'm still trying to figure out how to say no to things, and mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the things that are a genuine desire that you know I want to help, I want to lead men, and yeah, and, and to have more relationships with more men, but um, at the same time, you just yeah. you can't do everything. So it's funny we've we've talked a little bit about the comedy of sabbaticals, uh, yeah. and uh, uh, you know if anybody needs a sabbatical, it's lay elders. You know, <laughs> lead lead pastors. A lot of times, it's I mean I hear it all the time. They talk about how tired they are. Talk about oh, how yeah. exhausted they are. Yeah. Like, man, just go talk to a construction worker in your, you know, in your church, or go talk to a lay elder who's wearing yeah. so many hats. Yeah. There are difficulties, unique difficulties that come there from is. vocational there ministry. There but there are unique, like what you just explained. I mean, it's hard. You know, yeah. life is hard, and life as a man, yeah. regardless of what you're called to do, is, is yeah. hard. Yeah. And uh, nobody gets around Genesis three. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, but <laughs> there's a lot of pastors that are doing a really great job, but. I've been around, there's a lot of pastors that, you know, they just, they don't realize, they, they just don't realize life. And so, yeah. um, I've always appreciated your attitude on that. Like anytime a, a pastor, if you're prone to, or as a church leader, if you're prone to like, ugh, like, what was me and this job mm-hmm. so hard? Like, just go talk to somebody who's shoveling rock every day. Like, There's some guy laying concrete, you know? Yeah, like literally. In your church. Yeah. You're eating Panera every day. Give me a break. Yeah, I know, right? And and now I've changed where I'm, I'm taking guys fishing instead of drinking coffee with them. Nice. And so my meetings are fishing meetings. That's so they'll come here thing. and we'll go down. I got a 1980 golf cart. It's a mm-hmm. two-cycle golf cart. Yeah. And our neighborhood you can hear it coming down the road. Like everybody in our neighborhood, it sounds like a little weed eater, you know, <laughs> like driving my 1980 camoed out. It's right. camoed out golf cart. Uh, Dennis got it for like my father-in-law for 200 bucks at a yard sale and fixed it and gave it to us. And so I, I'll take, you know, my buddy Brett and we're going down there and I, literally everybody I meet with now, I'm like, well, if, you're, if we're going to meet, we're going fishing. Yeah. And so much better than, you know, just drinking yeah, coffee. Yeah, sitting around drinking coffee. And, uh, so uh, that's the difficult life of, of pastoral ministry is, but, is meetings over fishing. But at the same time, <laughs> there's, uh, uh, like, I get it, like, to, yeah. like the, the, the weight of, of trying to be everything for everybody and, yeah. and caring for the spiritual needs of hundreds of people that look to you to mm-hmm. preach the word every week and and um and you know you're you're the you're the spiritual leader you're their counselor you're their family minister like like everything and yeah. and so many people looking to you and also to look for you to say one thing that they disagree with so they can raise their hand and let you know yeah so it's Which is easy in today's climate oh, right now Lord, yeah so it's tough it it is hard mm-hmm. and and just sabbaticals make me laugh. Yeah, I'm I like, know. I'm Gosh. pretty sure if I went to <sighs> SIH and was like, oh, guys, I'm just tired. I need three months off with pay. <laughs> yeah, with They'd pay. They'd be like, oh, yeah. you crazy? Yeah, See don't you. call me. Don't text me. Yeah, I don't want to. It's for my own health. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Yeah. I really don't. I know. But uh, I could understand maybe if you've been going, you know, without a, no elders and you're a pastor who for like yeah. the last 30 years have yeah. been plugging away and you ask for a month off. I get that. Yeah, totally. But, you know, I'm going to go write 10 blogs and take three months off. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're just coming off the heels of, of the corona. And 
uh, we're in the middle of, of a, a really hostile environment from political sides that are at odds with each other. There's just a lot going on that make it difficult just to be a friend in today's climate with the media and with uh, just the the intensity of race relations and not knowing how to engage in conversations. But then just with the corona and everybody, I keep calling it the corona just because, I, I don't know, I just I like calling it, it the corona. Than COVID, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely not going to call it COVID. Um, but how did you guys navigate? I mean, you're now worshiping to get it together mm-hmm. in, inside. Mm-hmm. And we've been, I think this is our fourth or fifth week back. And you guys have... Uh, Churches have had difficult decisions to make yeah. with this, and yeah. especially if you have older people and you have conflicting data mm-hmm. f- from mainstream media. We've been watching the High Wire live. If you don't watch High Wire, it's it's, it's mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's conflicting data and reports that people are reading and listening to. How have you guys tried to navigate <laughs> moving forward with all the madness? Because honestly, this has been one of the dip- most difficult times that I've experienced uh, for pastors. Um, shepherding in the public square with their people with so many conflicting ideas. So how have you guys navigated that? It hasn't been easy. I mean, you you articulated a lot of the reasons why. Um, never led a church through a global pandemic before. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, I put it in quotes, a global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, whether or not that is the case. I, I'm, I'm a natural contrarian, so... Oh, you are? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it hasn't been around here. Like, yeah, in our definitely area. It's hasn't. It hasn't done much of anything. But, but in the beginning, nobody knew that. Right. Like, um, you know, what the heck was going to happen? You just hear all these reports and you're like, right. good night, this is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. So everything shuts down. And, yeah. And then you're right, you know, you were leading, reading all kinds of different reports on what you should do and what you shouldn't do and conflicting mm-hmm. data. And and so. And also, you're in the medical world. I mean, so, I mean, you're seeing this yeah, regularly. Yeah, that I'm having meetings every day and, and about, you know, um, in other parts of the country from, you know, physicians who are in, in the West Coast and, and who are, who are treating these patients and watching them um, tank in a matter of hours and they're on vents and dying and mm-hmm. running out of vents and, and then it hasn't hit us yet but they're saying it's going to so then you know collectively there's 40 vents in the area so mm-hmm. um, you know you don't have to think hard to know that like if this spreads like crazy like you're mm-hmm. picking and choosing who lives and dies and who right. goes on a vent so you know you're having these meetings every single day like that and, and um, you know you watch all this like contingency work and plan planning and then just like almost nothing happens I mean, it's like I like i work a shift like, in the I'm, er and we're playing cards and i'm like reading a book and because there's no patience there's like, no patience like, at what all what is happening yeah and now it's just kind of like people are like oh my gosh this is crazy just, like, just over it open everything up and let's get rolling again yeah and so we've been back in church and we require I mean, we try to be responsible about it as best mm-hmm. as we can like um, you know, you try to listen to the so-called experts, and mm-hmm. so we meet with masks. We spread cha- chairs apart. Mm-hmm. Um, we're uh, splitting up services to lower numbers, and um, a lot of people don't didn't like that. They don't like to have to wear masks because we're mm-hmm. Americans. We don't like to be told what to do. Right, I'm so, one of them. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I haven't worn a mask a single time. You have, like, by principle. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so, so then we, so this this week we like we've got the nine o'clock service and uh-huh. wear masks. So if you're old, you have medical problems, you're higher risk. Come to the nine o'clock service. Everyone right. wear masks. We're spaced apart. Um, and you know, we just try to be as responsible as we can. Yeah. And then 11 o'clock, if you hate a mask, 
<laughs> then come to 11 o'clock. Come just don't wear a mask. And if you die, don't blame us. Yeah, like, come like, with your Gatson flag flying. You yes, know, exactly. freedom fighters. Yeah. If that's your yeah, service. Like some kind of a, like a cleaning bomb or something that goes off between services. Uh-huh. Like, there you go. So, um, so I don't know. We're just doing the best we can. Right. It has been weird. It's yeah. been very weird. Yeah. Um, so if you had you know, a chance to talk to 25-year-old seminarian about life and ministry. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've started to interview some guys. Like, I interviewed my cousin Micah, who's mm-hmm. a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Uh, he's got me connected with another buddy of his that's a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that guys struggle with in pastoral ministry at the lay level and vocational level is just struggling to life as a man, as a Christian man. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where I'm reading this really great book by... Steve Farrar, who's a was a '90s men's guy, he wrote a really good book, Point Man. And what I found about Steve Farrar is he was a '90s guy that was writing with doctrinal backbone in the '90s that mm-hmm. was rare amongst yeah. men's books. Yeah. And this book, he talks about the the three elements that take guys out are number one, a neglect of. He he looked at 250 guys that had moral failures, mm-hmm. and it number one was lacking spiritual disciplines, so just the abandoning of spiritual disciplines. Number two, financial failure. Hmm. Number three, pretty women. <laughs> it was funny. It wasn't. It wasn't the ugly women. It was uh, pretty women working with on a regular basis. And these three things are taking guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found is a lot of a lot of pastors. It's just they struggle. They don't necessarily struggle with the prep to preach, or even necessarily with the counseling side of things. It's just I don't know how to be a Christian man. You know that kind of stuff. So if you had an opportunity to talk to a 25-year-old seminarian about just life as a Christian man, mm-hmm. what would you say? Like, here, here's, here's how you're going to, you know, by the grace of God, move forward. And this is what you got to commit to for the decades on end. If you're going to, you know, again, but by the grace of God, there go I mm-hmm. into massive failure and cataclysmic ditches. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some things that they can, and guardrails they can put, put up to walk in faithfulness for the long haul? Well, I think you just mentioned three in that book, though. and mm-hmm. and uh, if you lack in one, you're going to lead to sin in in two and three. If you don't have mm-hmm. the spiritual disciplines in place, love of Christ, love of the Scriptures, mm-hmm. time in prayer, accountability um, with other men, mm-hmm. then that leads to financial failure um, and leads to sexual sin in a lot mm-hmm. of men and moral failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the texts I sent him to. My pastor regularly is, uh, what are you studying for yourself? Not sermon prep. That's good. Um, so you know your personal, um, your your um, personal study of the scriptures. What's that like? And 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 Nick's sermon prep that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. That's good. And so where are you growing at? So, like I think that's the biggest thing is if you're not I spoke of that earlier. If you're not connected to Christ, if if your mm-hmm. relationship with Him isn't isn't paramount and of first importance. Um, and nourishing your own soul, mm-hmm. um, you're good to no one. And yeah. you can get by on talent, you can get by on skill um, and repetition, and you can do that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, many men do, many pastors do. And But um, but if your relationship with Christ, you're, you offer literally what we offer to anyone in our church as church leaders, is just an extension of Christ. It's an extension of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if I'm never nourishing that, if I'm never feeding that, and I'm just coasting on some talents that I have, um, man, like you're going to burn so many people in your path mm-hmm. and, and eventually yourself. It's so good. And it reminded me, listen to this paragraph. Just read this a couple of days ago. This is again Steve Farrar. What he says, 
Uh, yes, someone says, he's having family problems, but that man is so gifted. And here's what Farrar says. Yes, but the qualification for having public ministry is not giftedness. The qualification for ministry is proven character. A gifted man is not necessarily a mature man. In fact, gifted men are often less mature than their peers pre precisely because they are so gifted. As a result, things tend to come easily for them. They haven't had to work as hard for dis or discipline themselves as much as others around them have had to do. And that's why so many gifted men often lag behind in character. Exactly. Isn't that a good paragraph? Yeah. I see evidence. I get the raw evidence of that one after another. Yeah. In our cultures now. Mm-hmm. You know, of rallying behind a, a big personality and mm -hmm. a big preaching gift and yeah. that can draw numbers and then you know then you get into their real life mm -hmm. and you're like uh like i haven't studied the scriptures and sermon prep was like an hour before the sermon right and you're like Phew, that is unhealthy mm -hmm. and a lot of people and, suffer because and of really gifted people you can't tell they preach a sermon you're like oh man they yeah yeah, just because it was so good. Yeah, they must have spent thirty hours on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> thirty minutes before it, and somebody else has prepared notes yeah. and outline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, so okay, uh, internal external world being at conflict, and that being a pervasive issue among people who fail. Okay, um, so let's let's wrap it up here and. Uh, and just give a little bit of grace here. One of the things that I, I say regularly is that it's easier to get a language for pastoral ministry or life as a man, and it's harder to live that out. It's just like the Christian life. We, we theologically can understand sanctification, and it's so much easier to understand sanctification than it is to live out uh, the obedient implications of following Christ and mm -hmm. the commands even of to love, love God and love others. I mean, there's it's so you get a language first, and then you spend a lifetime of... of being transformed yeah. um, it's a lot easier why is it so much easier to talk about healthy existence as a as a man and as a pastor mm -hmm. than to walk it out I mean, it, just get, it just gets messy you know yeah. like life is just messy and um, you know there's a lot of burnout and fatigue and, mm -hmm. and um, it just gets difficult when you sit down when I sit down with another man that loves Jesus and we talk about leading our families we talk about leading our church it's clear, I'm energized, and like this is what we need to do, and I feel encouraged. Mm -hmm. And then um, you get down into the day-to-day -day nitty gritty of life, and it just it's just um, it's just difficult. It's yeah. just hard, and that's not going to go anywhere. So you just have to. What I've learned over the years is that you just have to do a lot of things on purpose and, and mm -hmm. just um, like sort of set up certain boundaries and parameters and you follow them like, yeah. like this. I, I, I couldn't do this interview at five o'clock tonight. I wouldn't do it. Right. But I'll wake up early and do it. Yeah. And so you make, you, you make time for things that are important and you protect the time with your family and your life as best you can. That's good. Um, before I get to the last question, two days or three days ago, I think it was like Friday, we've been watching the show Poldark, and Poldark is a PBS oh, masterpiece yeah. show, and yeah. it's like a, I mean, it's like a big time drama. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. drama like crazy. Well, I had a dream all night long. I wake, I woke, was going to sleep, waking up, that I was Ross, and that Jordan was Demelza. It's so weird. And it was the weirdest thing, man. And we were like fighting and getting back together, and 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 separating and getting back together the whole night in my dreams. And I woke up furious with Jordan. I have no idea. I woke up like an emotional basket case, <laughs> and for like four hours we were fighting because I was just being a jerk. Now. 
like I know that that's ridiculous nonsense, mm-hmm. but then just being a godly, understanding human being mm-hmm. after a night of having weird dreams mm-hmm. that happens once every year for me, mm-hmm. it, it's just you, I mean we screw up and we're idiots and I'm an idiot mm-hmm. um, a lot who needs God's grace. And so what I want to do is I want to set you up. And so listener out there, like you realize that we're on the path, we're, we're walking this road wanting to obey Jesus. And we're looking to Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Mm-hmm. And we're coming to him in repentance and knowing that there's grace for us. And we're being transformed. And and uh, and it's a it's a process. You know, it really is. And uh, But before we go, I set everybody up to just praise God for his grace. Micah, why do you love Jesus so much? Uh, gosh, I knew that question was coming. Um, and uh, just hearing the question just like kind of brings a tear to my eye. The uh, Jesus is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, He is everything, and and any any reason that I am anything at all is because of Christ. Mm-hmm. And once the gospel of grace kind of took root in my heart. Um, and um, like that sensitiveness towards Christ that mm. that when you speak of the gospel something wells up inside of you that's just overwhelming yeah. that just the idea that um, of what Christ has done for me in my insignificant life that's here and gone um, like a vapor and but what Christ has done uh, on the cross the way he lived his life and to think of the Son of God, the one that deserved uh, nothing but the, the best of God, and took on the worst of me, um, bore it on this cross for my sins, just so that I would have, just so that I could come to Him hmm. and have a relationship with Him. Once you get that, um, that, um, that great exchange of my sin for His righteousness on the cross through faith alone. Um, I don't know of much else that's yeah. everything else pretty much just kind of gets put in the chaos of life and, and raising kids and working a job and leading a church and being a husband once you understand that all my sin, I'm an idiot uh, <laughs> will continue to be an idiot but I love Jesus and mm-hmm. my sins are wiped away through faith in Christ and I'm given the righteousness of Jesus uh, in place of my sin yeah, and, don't and, and we don't ever get over it. Like no, that's the thing. And listeners, don't ever get over that. What Mike is saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were studying Romans with my son um, a couple nights ago, and and he said he said, Dad, it's it's really kind of simple. It's I trust in Jesus, and all my sins are wiped away, hmm. and He gives me His perfection, His righteousness. Dang man. And and I was like. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's that awesome. It. Yeah, that is it, buddy. Dude, how how precious is that? Yeah, here? yeah. And you can just see like the like it's simple. Um, hmm. You know, a nine year old boy. That's like um, just the profoundness and simplicity of the gospel is mm-hmm. incredible. It's awesome, man. Well, thanks. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think uh, people are gonna enjoy this. So appreciate you, man. You too. Yep. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. 
And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.